Welcome to episode 127 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Below, and I am so glad that you've chosen to spend this time with me. Whether this is your first or your 127th episode, I hope you hear something that will make you smile, spark an insight, improve your business, or maybe even change your life. Last week, I mentioned that it has been something of a stressful summer, so it's almost with relief that I welcome the cooler days of fall and the shift to a different energy. It's almost like we have a clean slate. (laughs) Um, A friend of mine posted on her Facebook page, raise your hand if you're craving the structure fall always brings. I raised my hand proud and high. Um, I appreciate the freedom of summer and... I always crave the way things settle back into our routine in the fall and winter. I always feel that fall brings not only a more routine schedule, but also increased mental clarity. Maybe it's the um, crisper air out there or the smells of fall that kind of clear my brain from hazy summer. And also, maybe it's all those years of back to school and going from play mode to learning mode. And that's why the timing of this episode's guest couldn't be more perfect. There will be times in the coming months when even though we appreciate fall, we miss the carefree fun of summer. And that means there's no better time to remind yourself that wherever you go, there you are, and to be grounded in the present moment so that you can enjoy that moment for what it is instead of wishing you were somewhere else, like on the beach. (laughs) Sarah gives us some insights into what it means to be fully present and how we can create more space for presence in our lives. And speaking of September, now that it is upon us, it's time to take action if you're interested in joining me for some new offerings that I have this fall. Registration opens on September 5th for the October-November virtual book group, where we'll be reading and discussing my latest book, The Introvert Entrepreneur. Space is limited to six participants. And having that kind of small group means that we'll get to have meaningful interactions with one another and be able to offer support as we take action to strengthen ourselves as business owners, professionals, leaders, and introverts. You can visit theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash book group to read about how it works and see what others have said about their experience in the book groups that I facilitated this past spring. And you'll find that link in the episode show notes. I'm also accepting applications for the two mastermind groups that are forming, both starting in October. One I'm calling the wildcard group, since the topics for discussion are open to whatever is going to move you and your business forward. The second group is focused on public speaking and presenting. If you want to improve your speaking skills, practice new material, brainstorm about topics, learn how to tell more stories in your presentations, and get feedback from group members about everything from your PowerPoint to negotiating fees, this is the group for you. You'll find more information at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash mastermind. Both groups both the wildcard and the public speaking group start in early October and applications are now being accepted on the website. You can sign up to be on an email list to stay in the loop with updates about either the mastermind group or the virtual book groups by visiting the website. And now on to our conversation. Sarah Harvey Yao is the founder of Yao Consulting Group and has personally developed more than 4,000 leaders across the globe, including executives at Microsoft, Smuckers, and Brooks Athletics. 
She specializes in helping leaders strengthen their presence by tuning in to the present moment. Sarah is also the author of Drop In, Lead with Greater Presence and Courage, and Get Present, Simple Strategies to Get Out of Your Head and Lead More Powerfully. You'll find information about how to connect with Sarah, as well as links to her Introvert Island book selections in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. Thank you. I'm really looking forward to talking about your latest book, Mm -hmm. soon to be coming out, called Drop In. Yeah. Well, what is making you smile today? (laughs) This may sound terrible, but silence is making me smile today. My children are... um, no longer in the house with me uh, <laughs> during <laughs> during the summer months. So I was just walking around and I watered some plants this morning and just had silence. And yeah. oh, how happy I am <laughs> when there's just real space and silence. Yeah. So that's definitely making me smile. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking that your uh, love of silence and craving that is something that a lot of listeners can identify with. Awesome. Well, Sarah, before we jump into the discussion of your book, share with us where you feel like you fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum and how that awareness has influenced you over the past few years. Hmm. I've, I've heard the term ambivert and omnivert, uh-huh. um, which this idea that um, I definitely feel like I'm both yeah. very predominantly heavier on the introverted side. Mm. Um, And I would say even more so as I have gone down my own path of presence, Uh I would say the introverted side is actually strengthened. Mm. Um, And that may be of concern for some people or not, but this, this real desire and enjoyment of being in that, in my own space Mm -hmm. um, and really, having skill and practice and tuning into the wisdom and the sense of well-being. And, um, you know, I really enjoy it in there. I really, (laughs) I really like my hanging out with myself. And I also know that after, you know, a few days or, you know, X amount of time of that, I really love being with people. And there is something that's quite energizing about it um, for me. So I think I'm in that ambi or omnivert spectrum. Yeah. Well, how is that awareness that you are that ambivert or omnivert and that you need both solitude and people influenced how you have set up your business and how you work with your clients? Um, I would say my introvertedness um, and that kind of that being in my space, I have designed my business and work to primarily, you know, be in in my own office space mm. um, and allowing people to come to me um, as opposed to going to my client anymore. Sometimes I, I have really noticed over the last few years going out to their um, to kind of the freneticism in what what I often experience in corporate America is is harder and harder for for me and harder for the, my clients to really drop in. Yeah. So I have really structured physically structured my life and calendar around um, creating space and giving that that kind of that retreat and silent space for my clients to come into. Um, and we just do far better work. Right. So let's start with 
um, as we dive into talking about the book and what you share in there, let's define presence. When you think of presence, how have you defined it for yourself? And what are the different dimensions that we should think about when it comes to presence? Well, the grandfather of mindfulness and presence, uh, John Kabat-Zinn, would really defined it as being present uh, on purpose in the moment without judgment. Mm. I love that. (laughs) I love that. And I add a little bit more onto that. So it's the idea of fully in this moment. And all our days are just full of one moment after another. But in this moment, consciously, fully aware of what is happening, what I'm experiencing. And I talk about being a whole leader. So when we're really fully present, we have access to our full resource, which is a clear mind, a really connected heart and have access to your wisdom in your gut. Hmm. And so when we're really present, we have access to just so much more data and so much more information that our whole system is offering us. And from that place, then we can make decisions. We can have the conversations we need. We can give ourselves, we can make those brave choices to stop and give ourselves what we need. So we're not powering through. Yeah. Well, your story reminds me of work work I did with a client that um, usually she would come to my office and that worked out really well. There was a particular session where she wasn't able to come in, so she um, had her session via Skype video in a conference room, and she was at one of these big, you know, stressful Seattle companies that we've all heard about. You could probably take your pick, but um, it's one that we've, we've all heard of. And honestly, it was one of our more challenging sessions. We both agreed that it was a little bit hard for her to, we didn't use these words, but to drop in and to be fully present for the session. Because even though she was in a conference room separated from the rest of her colleagues, there was um, still the energy, still that pace, still that culture that was surrounding her. So it's really a gift, I think, uh, for both of us, you know, for the introvert who uh, likes to be on their own home turf, and then for the person who is in that normally more stressful environment to be able to get out of that environment and really step away from it for a little while. Uh, So that really ends up being a win-win. Yeah, it's actually a complete win (laughs) for me. Uh (laughs) Uh, And it really is of highest service to both myself and the client and my dog. (laughs) Yes, the dog. (laughs) It's just about the dog. I think some of my clients just come to my office if I have Ginger with me. They'll walk in and they're like, where's Ginger? (laughs) So I do think in some ways it's all about the dog. I don't know if they would come in person if she wasn't here. Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) Since I can't always have her here, I'm still grateful when they uh, come just for me. (laughs) Yeah. You know how life just sort of sets you up to, um, it just sets you up. (laughs) Yeah. It just sets you on another direction. And my kind of new trajectory revealed itself. My life trajectory revealed itself in about 2008. Mm. And at the time, I was in a business partnership and we were we were having a really thriving business. I was just I was in a really frenetic, really stressed place. Uh, I had two young sons. One of them, um, in particular, it was sort of September of of two thousand eight, where the stress really kicked in. September October timeframe, and 
my youngest had, or my oldest had just started in a new school and I had series of speaking uh, engagements and really tough projects. And my mind, I just remember going back to that time and my mind was spinning and kind of just on all the time. I mean, I would be driving to a client meeting Mm -hmm. and my, my hands would be sort of clenched at the steering wheel thinking about really my mind was just spinning about all the details what I was going to say what I what I had said in the last meeting what I'm going to wear what's the keynote how's my son doing I mean just constantly spinning and I wasn't getting enough sleep Mm. and I think um, some people probably listening could could relate to that that spin cycle Uh uh-huh And during this whole time of stress, I had a low-grade respiratory cold that I just couldn't quite get rid of. It was not enough to, like, put me over and into bed, but it was was definitely impacting my daily, you know, how I felt, my vitality for sure. Um, And I knew it was there, but I chose not to really deal with it. And my motto at the time was just power through. Just, just got to get through. And probably the end of October of, of that year, this big kind of big push of, of work events culminated in speaking to a group of, of about 1,200 people right before Steve Ballmer uh, from the then CEO at Microsoft took the stage. It was a pretty, you know, pretty high visibility gig. Uh-huh. And my business partner and I spoke on succeeding um, with... <laughs> without side effects, which is funny now as I think about it. And I came home after that, after all the big deliverables, and I I just really physically crashed. Um, So much so that the next morning I woke up and I could not feel the entire right side of my face. Mm -hmm. When I touched my face, I really, it was numb like I had had Novocaine, um, but couldn't close my eyes, couldn't smile, couldn't really speak. And when I, of course, went to an emergency appointment with my doctor, I found out it was something called Bell's palsy, uh-huh. which is a opportunistic virus that paralyzes one side of your face. And she told me that in some cases it's permanent. In better cases, it lasts three to four months. So that was my big <laughs> wake-up call. Powering through is not working for me, clearly. Well, powering through to what? Exactly. Holy cow. I don't even know what I was. I was honestly at the time I was powering through to just get through the deadlines, right? Or the next big project ending or the next big gig being over. It was just always the next thing. But nowhere in my mind was, how am I doing in the present moment? What is happening right now? What do I need? Nothing. Um, And then this, this, you know, life, life stopped me, literally stopped me and encouraged me <laughs> so strongly, yeah. but it really caused me to stop and say, oh, okay, got it. This is clearly not working. And it really sent me, you know, there was a whole nother path of learning and seeking really that led me to this truth of being present. Right. Well, it seems like there's something of a catch-22 at work here, and I'm not sure if I'm going to explain it very articulately, but, you know, being present allows you to pick up on those big red flags that signal something needs to change. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's those red flags that tell us, hey, you need to be more present. So, you know, which comes first, the red flag or being present? Mm -hmm. And 
if we're not present to start with, we're certainly not going to catch the more subtle hints that something is off. Not being present, we will get the red flags, but sometimes we won't pick up on those smaller things. So it seems that even if we consider ourselves to be present most of the time, or we have that kind of presence practice, there's always a chance to go deeper. Yeah. And that we can be more proactive about cultivating presence so that we don't need that big kick in the butt to make a change. Right. And I think that that's the beauty of being present is you, you pick up on that, on the, on the wisdom, on the information way sooner so that you are not, you know, completely taken out, um, you know, later down and uh, later down the road. And I, I don't mean to say that presence is a um, health, prov- <laughs> you know, that you're not going to experience any health issues or any other dramatic life shift. But the more present I am and the more present my clients become, we tend to get the information and tune into the information far sooner than we probably would have when we were on autopilot. Yeah, right. Well, let's talk about one of my favorite parts of the book, and that was chapter six, when you talk about the courageous gut and what that means, um, and, and particularly this idea of making space. Why is that important, and how can we do more of it? Yeah, I. It, this is such an interesting um place to experiment with presence because this this idea of creating space is so difficult that conversation seems to be so difficult in our society right now where we are often um celebrating people that are really busy yeah um and impressed with that um and where the norm of not being on time and not being able to engage in a conversation without being interrupted by devices or other people um just the normalness of our freneticism is shocking (laughs) The glorification of busy. Yes, the glorification. Of, yes. So I just want to, you know, let folks know that if you engage at any level of this to try to really create the space that you need, I'm just cheering you on because this is, there's a million reasons why this would be difficult. Right. And it is difficult sometimes. But one of the stories I talk about in the book is one of my clients, because she had become more and more present to her her inner experience and her inner guidance, and she um, she had a really big job at a, one of those stressful companies in, in Seattle, <laughs> um, a senior leader in that organization, um, but she had an increasing desire to um, take on foster children. And it didn't make a lot of sense because she was single, she had a really big job, and she's never had children. Um, But for whatever reason, life, she was really tuning into this. And long story short, she started creating space for it before it arrived. So she courageously started letting go of things in her life that were taking time away from from this possibility. So she started cutting out um, social engagements that weren't really fueling her. She started making, setting boundaries at work saying, wow, no, I actually do need to be back, you know, at at six o'clock because I want to get this paperwork done or have this foster care interview. She just started boldly setting boundaries and saying no um, and ended up, the story is much longer than this, but ended up, um, taking on three 
infants, three boys, um, they're all, you know, triplets that had been crack babies, actually. Um, and so it didn't make a lot of sense. Like all of us actually were looking at her going, are you <laughs> crazy? Like what is wrong with you? But there was such clarity in her system uh-huh. and in her gut that she just knew this was what she wanted to do and has been able to serve those children in profound, profound ways. She had literally changed the trajectory of three people's lives uh, and in many others because she is such an amazing leader as well. But if she hadn't just started, first of all, creating the little moments of space, you know, this is not where she started. She started by in her crazy day, carving out 15 minutes and being extremely committed to 15 minutes at lunchtime to just go get her, you know, cup of soup or to walk outside. This is where she started. This is where it was just, I'm going to carve out because if I don't, I will, I'm like, I, I'm shooting blind. I don't know what is actually happening for me. And so it became so, um, she depended on those 15 minutes because when she had those 15 minutes, she'd learn to breathe. She learned to drop into her system. She got a little bit more clear in her mind. So she knew what her priorities were. She became a lot more connected to her heart about what's happening for herself, what's happening for her people. And she became connected to her gut. Yeah. And so she got all this information and really depended on it because it started shifting the way she was living and leading. Um, So for her and for many people, we're talking, let's start small. Yes, I love that idea that we can start with small increments. Um, It doesn't have to be this big, grand gesture. I know. It's often, we will make the most progress towards our goal, of course, if we break it down and we remember to do things in smaller increments. Very... Just start small. Start where you are and add and just turn the dial. Yeah. Um, funny, I just happened right now to look at um, a card that someone had given me and it has pictures of these birds on it flying. And so I sometimes think of the wisdom, our intuitive sense, our, um, our just our gut sense are kind of like birds trying to find a place to land. And if you're like constantly moving and constantly frenetically going, 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 it's like it's got nowhere to land. Mm. And so often I think, you know, even my five minutes of stillness, and sometimes, you know, I teach this stuff and sometimes that's all I'm, you know, squeezing in. (laughs) Presence doesn't always need to just happen in a seated, still, silent space. Presence is something that is actually very um, active. And there's nothing that replaces stillness and silence. Mm. So, and I really, I literally start with some of my clients, I'm just asking for two, three minutes. Maybe it's before, you know, you drive to work and before you walk into the building, can you carve out a little bit of time? But in those stillness and silence, those, those birds or those you know, that wisdom has a place to land. Right, right. And so that's, you know, when we, when we create a little space, that's proactively saying, wow, what wants to come in? What wants to reveal itself? What wants to come to me? As opposed to thinking that we're the ones always making stuff happen. You know, life, life is happening and it is, it is always flowing. So it's just a matter of, wow, can I, create a little bit of space and presence to tune into which direction and how I can get aligned with the flow. Hmm. 
So, you know, we've been talking about your book, and I suspect that with all of the frantic activity that you've had, you're going to want some space. And so I'm waving a magic wand, and I'm granting you a three-week vacation on Introvert Island. That sounds so delightful. And you can only take three books with you. What would you take with you and why? So I would take one of my go-tos that just is a little wonderful, sacred little book for me um, called The Art of Liberation by um, a wisdom teacher named Adya Shanti. So, and that's a small book, but it's very potent, so I could read it many times. Um, the other one that's on my nightstand right now and that I am feeling incredibly passionate about is um, around parenting. Mm-hmm. And um, right now that one's called um, The Spiritual Child. So I would actually love to finish that book. That would be delightful. And then I don't know what the other title is, but it would be fiction and very non-productive. <laughs> you know, it'd just be a really fun read, and I don't yet know what that is. So where would your introvert island be located? Probably somewhere in Thailand. Yeah, I think we could have, I think we need multiple locations for introvert island for sure. Somewhere very clear blue water, beautiful, lush, be able to hike. Wow. Yeah. Well, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you and learn more and especially to check out a copy of your new book, Drop In? Thank you for asking. It's um, my website is Yao Consulting. So Y a o consulting.com and there you'll see links to the book um, two books actually this is my second book coming out um, and also new resources on the resource page you'll see under a tab called the whole leader corner and there are some free resources there where there is just a guided a four minute guided um, quick exercise on how to drop in um, and, and tune into the present moment so if you listen to that a couple times it's ultimately something you could do several times throughout your day where it, you just are starting to turn the dial of of remembering what it feels like to be fully present. Yeah. Um, and then there's a great 10-minute uh, body scan so that if you had a little bit more time. So those are great resources along with some other books and articles I recommend. And then social media, Sarah Harvey Yao. So Sarah without an H. <laughs> uh, Harvey, uh, which is self-explanatory. And then Yao, again, Y-A-O. So that's on Facebook, Twitter, and all that other fun stuff. <laughs> Sarah, it has been a true delight chatting with you. Thank you so much uh, for spending time with us, especially in these busy weeks leading up to your book launch. Um, I want everybody to know that I'm going to be sharing the uh, social media links and a link to your book, as well as your Introvert Island book selections in the episode show notes that you can find on the introvertentrepreneur.com. Because I want it to make it as easy as possible for people to connect with you and, and learn more about the wonderful message that you have to share. Thank you. I'll close this episode with a favorite passage from John Kabat-Zinn's book, Wherever You Go, There You Are. I first encountered this book when my husband and I were on vacation in Santa Barbara, California, way back. We might have even been on our honeymoon, so this would have been 1998. And I've continued to go back to this book um, for, for wisdom, especially when I'm feeling out of touch with being present. So John Kabat-Zinn writes, 
To let go means to give up coercing, resisting, or struggling in exchange for something more powerful and wholesome, which comes out of allowing things to be as they are without getting caught up in your attraction to or rejection of them, in the intrinsic stickiness of wanting, of liking, and disliking. Notice for yourself where you are judging things in your life and your business, where you are trying to make them something that they are not. There's a relief that comes with just seeing the facts, without the layers of stories and assumptions. Suspending judgment of the people, the places, and things around you is one of the most powerful ways you can start on the journey of being more consistently present. That's because judgment comes from the past. It comes from those stories and assumptions and past experiences. And when we layer that judgment on it, it keeps us from being in the present. And this piece of suspending judgment, it's a lifelong journey. You don't just flip a switch. It doesn't come easily and we're not going to be perfect at it and we're not going to get it right all the time. But I invite you to join me in setting the intention to notice judgment when it creeps in and to let it go so that we can see more fully what's right in front of us. It's like we're clearing the decks to allow for new possibility to flow in. Just a quick reminder before we wrap up that you'll find those links to the virtual book group and introvert entrepreneur mastermind information on the website. And if you take a look and you're interested, you can sign up to receive updates, um, especially if you're not feeling quite ready to uh, hit that submit button on an application. And I promise I'll only email when there's something new to share. There's no spam. And I hope you'll consider joining me for one of the groups. I would say actually joining something like this, it's a great way to bring presence to your business and you know, for the virtual book group to your reading, to make sure that as you're reading, you are fully grounded in what is um, being shared with you and able to process it in such a way that you take action. So I hope you see these as opportunities to live into that invitation to presence. If you enjoy this podcast, I invite you to share it with your family and friends and your colleagues as well. And I really appreciate reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever platform that you listen to this podcast from. It helps other people discover the podcast and helps them to know if it's worth their time. So I appreciate your feedback and I thank you in advance for your consideration. Special thanks to my podcast producer, Paul Messing, and my assistant, Naja, for the episode show notes, and to you for spending this time with me. We have a few great episodes coming up in the next few weeks. Um, I'll be talking to Stephanie Chandler, founder of the Nonfiction Authors Association, about the relationship between writing a book and building your business. And I'll also be speaking with Justin Crawford, author of Live Free or DIY, chatting about how introverts can build sustainable businesses by tapping into people resources that are already around them. This is Beth Bilo of The Introvert Entrepreneur. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job.